Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Well, Not Perfect. Today, I sit down with Whitney Reynolds, and let me tell you that my conversation with her left me feeling empowered to say the least. Whitney is the Emmy-nominated host of The Whitney Reynolds Show, a talk show that is dedicated to being a safe space for delicate life stories. Along with the production of her show that went national this year on PBS, Whitney is an author, podcast host, and entrepreneur who is passionate about giving back to the community. Today, Whitney gives us a real look into her life off the big screen. We get deep into what it makes her life meaningful and how she finds balance through the many seasons of life. If we look at the hope in the situation and our gratitude in it, you see the struggle is always going to be there. But how do we how do we see the things that needed to come out of it? And I think in every season, there's two parts. There's the good and the bad. And if we can see the both and what are we learning through it, that's the most amazing thing. In today's episode, you will learn why the timing of life is so important, how she balances being a host, mother, and entrepreneur, and what brings purpose to her life and show. Make sure you check out the show notes and see what you can do to follow her and find all of the amazing work that she does. Welcome to another episode of Well, Not Perfect. I'm so excited to meet you in person or on, at least on video for the podcast, because I've been watching your stuff. I've just really been so impressed that you use your platform for good. Um, I feel like that's like the new superhero power is to use your platform for the good and make sure that you're putting out all of the good messages and also fundraising. I mean, you've fundraised so much money for really good foundations. And I think it's really just admirable. What's your current favorite right now that you like to support and fundraise for? Well, right now, to be honest, it's like the Whitney Reynolds show. <laughs> like I know that's a, like, it's, it's kind of this, um, I had nonprofits reach out to me a lot and we want to back everybody because that's, I mean, that's what's up. But at the same point, I hit this, basically this crossroad about a year and a half ago where I realized I was helping so many different nonprofits, but not really fully covering my own of like, okay, in order to be this voice and in order to help these people, I need to make sure that we're like working in union with each other. Cause yes, we're not um, a nonprofit, but because we support so many, I'm like, we're a mission-based do good business. So because we're getting ready to launch our premiere, I've been a little bit more gutsy in some of my approaches of when nonprofits reach out to us, because what what's really cool is we have this um, basically a tier that we made it where everybody we know can get involved with the show now. And for years, when people think about, you know, TV and advertising and partnership, it's like, oh, I just see dollar signs galore. And with our show, we've been able to like actually create nonprofit tiers and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really, um, really, really stoked that we're able to really partner with amazing nonprofits repeatedly. Like that's, what's cool is like a lot of people come back and they say, we want you to do this. So we have a full lineup coming up. We have, um, I recently, I'm a provisional for the service club and we have a big gala coming up. And so that's going to be so much fun. We have John O'Hurley coming in and the service club is basically this, um, the way I look at it is it's a bank for nonprofits. Like we decide what nonprofits need certain things and we vote on it. And then we like give vans and um, so people can have transportation and after school care. So people can actually get into Ivy League schools that might not have the opportunity. So that's what I'm really passionate about right now. That's really cool. And so the Whitney Reynolds show is a way to kind of do that inadvertently, because like you said, if you create the platform, then you get more attention or more momentum and more resources. And obviously then you can give back even more. So by putting yourself first in a sense really does then serve the community. It does. And it took me a long time to understand that because if we don't have funding, then we're not on air. And again, it took me a long time. Like I'm 35 now and I've been at this game for um, 10 years. And so, and with PBS, everything has to be by the book. So it's, um, it's, you can't pay to play on PBS at all. And which is really cool. That means you, you know, you're getting a legit content piece with PBS, which is great. But with that, I've had to be strategic whenever I'm lending my time and away from the family and all that kind of stuff. It's like, how do we actually support both of our missions? But yeah, it's been a long time coming, but now I'm finally in that zone. What is the difference between PBS and another air station? 
So actually, that's a great question. So PBS, um, they have a thing where there's rules. So like if I have a partnership, they can't be on the show, which is a really cool thing because then that could be swayed content. But there are other networks, like I'm excited to share that, like coming up this Christmas, I'm going to be doing Whitney's wish list, And it looks like it's going to be hitting TV, but maybe not on PBS because that might not, that will not be a fit, but it will be able to use our brand on a different network. And it's going to be so much fun. That's so great. And PBS is on television. It's on TV. It's also streaming online. Is that right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we, are on the PBS app. We also, we have this new digital approach too, because we know people are all consuming content so differently. And so we, um, we have a digital department with our team that actually cuts things special for social, because we realize that the clips that will resonate and want to change and inspire people on social media is much different than they will digest it on television. So we have people that will just chop that down. And then, um, I have to say we are going to be reaching a lot more people coming up very soon because right now we're just on Amazon Prime, we're on the PBS app and we're on YouTube TV, but we have a lot more stuff that's kind of in the works on that side as well. So really stoked about that. And then I'm also on the radio. So I do iHeartRadio. I have Whitney's Women, which is completely dedicated to women that give back. So it's usually nonprofits in Chicagoland and then the podcast Pop and Positivity with iHeart as well. That's so great because then you're creating this whole brand around positive mission and positive influence. And it is, and it's just a way to create change that is in the media. It's used for good and it's in your wheelhouse. So you're really using your skills and your strengths to give back. But then I would imagine this is very like fulfilling too. So you're, you're kind of I hate like killing two birds with one stone. Like when you think about that, it sounds terrible, but you're really tackling a lot of things in a sort of strategic way. Do you feel focused? Do you feel like you're in this like vision and you're clear? Do you still feel like you're unclear? Like, where are you at? Cause I know for myself as a visionary and someone who likes to be innovative, I sometimes can get foggy in my ideas and foggy in my trajectory of like where I want to go tomorrow and in a year. How clear are you right now? I'm just kind of curious to pick your brain. Yeah. So I'm crystal clear and I feel like this is the starting line. So I'm like, if you think you've seen Whitney Reynolds running, just get ready. That's what's so crazy. And what's cool about this is I've been doing it 10 seasons. So when I first started, people were like, Hey, Whit, what is your um, genre genre? What's your thing? And I, you know, I really didn't know. And then I had this major connect the dots moment, literally right when I was meeting my husband. So it's really cool because he's been on this track with me. Um, I didn't accidentally have my childhood, which was a delicate childhood. I had some stuff in it and I didn't accidentally have a platform because I was not given a platform, but I had the opportunity at 24 to step into owning a TV show here in Chicagoland, which was really crazy. And then I figured out how to do it and continually own it and how all that works. So between the two, I was like, that dot, that dot equals this. And so really, you know, we're, we're about to have our big premiere party. So we're working on a lot of special surprises for that. And one of the voiceovers that just like gives me chill bumps every time is like, it is now your mission, a dream turned mission. So we're very clear on using our voice and it's not just for good, it's for actually creating change and empowering people through their delicate life stories, knowing that, hey, if you don't think you can get through this, here's proof you can. And that's what we've realized is how do we do this in a way that really, um, creates change in a way that people want to stay watching. So we have really taken, I don't want to say a step back, but in the last year, one, I opened my own studio for the first time. I've never had my own studio. So this is really exciting. So we actually have a dedicated space for this. And then two, we have looked at how people have been successful in this field, not just one season. We're talking about the Oprah's of the world that like when you're sitting there, it's appointment television. People are like literally like, I want to see this because I want to know what change I can develop today. And that's what Oprah did when I was in high school, my mom would rush home to watch Oprah. And it was because she knew that there was going to be something amazing and life changing on that show. So with that, we've worked really hard at creating multi-level levels to the stories. Like you think, oh, we're hearing this. Well, now we're going to take a video that will take you even deeper in and then bring you back in studio. So it's a really exciting time for the show. It's 
surrounding myself with um, people way wiser than I am in the field. Like most of the people on my team are older and wiser and have been in television. And what's great is I bring out all these crazy ideas and I have these young people that can fulfill them in other ways. And so it's really, it's, this is the starting line for what's coming up. Like this is my life's work. I know I'm walking in my superpower and now I'm just, I feel like the stretch is over now or it's time to go. Yeah. Like you've arrived. You finally got to your destination. Like it's a whole new starting point, but it is a destination. It is a whole new starting point. Yep. It's destination knowing who I am, but destination, let's get ready to roll. That's amazing. And what, what date, when is this happening? So that's the other thing I'm throwing this big party, October 4th. I would love to have you there. Um, we haven't really shared too much because it was kind of like sold out from the beginning. You know, <laughs> like it was one of those, you only have so many tickets and you've had so many. So it's a, that night is going to be a night to celebrate our national news. We launched January 6th of 2021, which if we all remember, January 6th was a day we all turned on the TV and we couldn't believe what was happening. And it wasn't because the Whitney Reynolds show was rolling out. It was because we were seeing um, things happen around our nation that were like, oh my goodness. And I tell you, as much as like people... People sent me flowers that day. They were excited. And then that happened. And then people were like, oh no, Whitney, this happened on the day that you roll out to the nation. I said, that's no accident, guys. I start playing in Washington, DC tomorrow at 1030 in the morning. Like, this is what we're about. Like there was, it was one of those, like, "Uh uh-huh. I see what you're doing there, God. Like no surprise to me that the nation needs hope more than ever right now. And so that was January 6th. It was also COVID. So we knew we couldn't celebrate like we wanted to. So this is a long time coming. October 4th, we have our big premiere party and it's gonna be at Steak 48. It's going to be red carpet. I mean, you name it, we have it. And just this celebration of kind of starting this new start line and goals and dreams that I didn't even know I would be scared to speak. I'm speaking out loud and things I thought wouldn't happen until I'm 40 because I give myself timelines and deadlines. Now I'm already like shopping the space for it. And I'm like, wow, here we go. So it's exciting. Is personal growth something that you've always been interested in, but you haven't really known where to start? If your answer is yes, then I wrote an entire planner series with you in mind. This planner series is broken down into five steps that are focused on helping you become more resilient and confident. Each step includes pages of insight and skills from my personal and professional experiences and ends with 30 days of space for you to practice what you've learned. It's as simple as that. Five steps towards growth and resilience. Learn more at www.buplanner.com. And be sure to check out the subscription option, which gets you a planner delivered to your door every month for the next five months. Since you're a well, not perfect listener, you can get 10% off your order using code. Well, not perfect. Happy growing. I saw that you gave yourself a couple of years, I think to hit this goal. And you said that you hit it in like 60 some days. I read that somewhere. Now that is another, so that is the, the national goal I've been fighting for my whole life. Like as soon as I had the show, I wanted to be national, but I tell you, there's a thing about timing for me and it's always right on time. You know, as much as I wanted it, I also needed to be a mom. I am still a mom. My kids just went off to kindergarten. So it could be a better time to be launching nationally and going for it because my kids are now full-time school. And you know, whenever they were born, we didn't have a nanny. We didn't have have full-time childcare. I would literally go to the gym. They would give us two hours for childcare at the gym. I would pop open my laptop. I would work from there. I was, I was like, kick me out guys. If I'm ever being bad here. And they're like, no, no, no. We have this little office area set up. You can do it. And so for a long time, I was hustling both. I describe it as spinning plates, hoping one didn't drop. And right whenever we um, got the call last year, it was whenever everything was shut down. I said, Whitney, your show is going to go national. And it's funny because I thought I put it on mute. I didn't, they got to hear everything. Um, but I literally, um, it, it was right on time. And so the 60 days thing that you were referencing is I have even a bigger dream, a thing that will literally change a lot of people's world that has been laid on my heart. And um, here I am 60 days later, I gave myself until I was 40 to do it. And then here I am 60 days later, it's already starting to come it's weird it's funny coming yeah. together. it's coming together it's, and it, nothing is by accident you know you said it a minute ago I actually wrote it down and you said that's no accident that this dot happened in my childhood and this dot happened when I was 24 or you landed in New York and you got your opportunity 
at Good Morning America, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then connect those two dots. And then you're seeing how everything does fall into place. And the timeline had to fit in with your personal goals to be a mother and trying to spin both plates. I can relate to that on so many, so many levels, just really seeing that the timing of everything is really important and being patient and also being passionate in your, in your, you know, trajectory, because it doesn't always happen the way that you expect it or the way that you want it to, but then you look back and you see that it was all coming together. And, you know, when we're in the middle of something being built, we do not see the beauty in the art. We usually see the dust and the crumbles and the bricks and the, all of the messiness of building. And then when it's over, you look back and you're like, dang, that's freaking beautiful. That thing that happened to me or that thing that got built differently, but in the middle of it, it feels messy. It doesn't feel necessarily what you want. Um, but then you get these opportunities to look back and be like, that's exactly what I needed to do. Like I needed to have a family first and then I needed to pass my 35 and I needed to get to my forties or whatever it is to really come to, um, I have a question that just popped into my head because we're the same age and we have children the same age. I have a kindergartner and a first grader. Oh, and my question, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I started my business simply be when my daughter was six weeks old and I literally resigned from a pretty high level position in Chicago because my daughter was born. She was my second. And I realized that I could not have the career that I was set up for because it was going to require a lot of travel, a lot of sacrifice. And with one, I did it. But then when I had a second one and she had a little bit of a health scare and I've shared it on my show before, but it was a health scare that made me realize that I needed to plan for the worst rather than plan for the best. Meaning as a mother, I couldn't plan my career around when things were going well and things were healthy. I had to plan my career around when things were sick and when things were bad. And when I realized that I did not have a career set up for me that would allow sick days, would allow doctor's appointments, whatever that may be, I had this huge gut visceral, like I have to pivot right now because pivoting during maternity leave is actually easier than pivoting if I go back into my position. And six weeks old, I went to the CEO's house and resigned because I needed to do it in person. I had to show up and I was literally breastfeeding as I was quitting and giving a CEO notice. And, you know, I love her and I respect her and she understood where I was coming from. And she actually helped me launch my career. Like she let me have a space in my office. She let me run my practice out of the building that I worked in while I consulted and phased out and gave me everything I needed at no cost while I transitioned. And I can't really even begin to say how much that meant to me because I was putting her in a bad spot business-wise to have to fill my position and all the things that go into it. But I think when women support women, it's really, really powerful. But my question, my roundabout question to you is, do you feel like when you become a mother or you hit your mid thirties, that socially or something where we become underestimated or people start to kind of think that they can not think, but they almost can write us off or they do write us off because they think, well, now she's a mom. She's going to be, you know, doing that thing. Like, do you think people think we pass our prime once we hit 35, when it comes to hitting the next big goal, like going national, what's your, what's your thought on that? How do you feel about that? Well, so I'm in a little bit of a different stage of I'm making sacrifices. So I weigh, I have a scale and it's an invisible scale. This is how I feel like as a mom, because I'm getting pulled more than ever right now to be at this or to do this or to um, be on a commercial for this and fly out and do this. So I feel like this scale is this. And so so I have to protect my family and it's a balancing act that no one can prepare you for. So for me right now, I have to weigh out what is this worth this? Like I shut down, like I, I'm working on some um, products for our event and I got a call late on Friday and I, I said, you know, I'm, I unhook up on the weekends. And that's something that took me a long time to learn is like, in order to be a good mom, 
like what I was a soccer mom yesterday. That's what I was doing. Like that I was out there, you know, like that's what I was doing. And it's a balancing act for me. And I realized that where I'm at right now in my career is I'm getting pulled from this side all day long. Like the stuff is coming in and there's, you know, the world would tell you like, you don't want to miss that because that opportunity, but what I'm seeing is as long as I get my footwork, right. It's always coming in. Like that's what's, that's what's great about now being a seasoned person in this career is I know how this stuff comes in, what I need it to do. And then I know I got to push it harder. So like the kids, my husband, they know I'm about to launch my new season nationally, which is amazing season two. So they all know that like, okay, mom is really, really, really hustling during the week. But like tonight I'm riding bikes with my daughter to dance as long as it's not raining. But that's like my thing is like my phone's off. I'm there, you know, I'm with her. And so I feel like to me, it's not about being um, written off. It's about how do I juggle it? And how do I let my kids know they're still my number one priority here and still be a really good host at the same time? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I feel like I've not missed a prime. I don't know if I've even hit my prime. Like, I don't feel that, but I don't, I almost feel like it's indoctrined from society to think that there is a prime and you hit it in your career. And once you become a mom, it's, harder. Maybe it is harder. It is harder. Probably being a mom is harder because you're juggling, but I feel like being a mom and being a wife and being a successful businesswoman with kids, I get booked for way more stuff because now I'm relatable. Now I am able to go speak at these conferences and encourage women to keep going, to keep, you know, dreaming. Marlo Thomas had a great book that came out before I ever got pregnant and named my daughter Marlo, but it's, it's not over until it's over. And it's talking about these different seasons of life and how you, like, it's so weird because I remember thinking when I married Dave, like, oh, this is the best time ever. I'm young and I'm having fun with my husband and we're traveling. Awesome season with my kids. I love being a mom. Like that's, that's the whole thing. And we just moved into our new home. So we've had fun decorating, but I feel like every season, and this is, I was, I'm working with Chicago parent magazine and they're quoting me on some stuff with um, the kids and mantras and that kind of thing. And one that I almost use, which that's the reason I'll say it because I'm not going to say the one that's coming out next month, but the one I almost use is everything's a season. Like, remember that like the season I thought I was going to be up to my eyeballs and diapers forever. It was a season. Eventually my kids got potty trained, like just remembering that enjoy that season, um, love it for what it is and be encouraged because another season's coming. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, everything as a season is so relieving. I just took a sigh of relief because it (laughs) just reminds me that the even challenging times that we have, the painful times that we have, it is a season. And even this morning I was having coffee with a friend and we were talking about the relief that we had when the newborn season was over the, you know, I can leave the house. I can take a shower. I can do all these things without the worry of a newborn. And then that to us felt relieving and how with the next season, you know, we felt relief when the, the childcare and the toddler and the daycare stuff is over, you know, now I'm in school and I have teachers and I have a school system rely on, I'm not relying on a nanny and a babysitter who can be inconsistent. So there's also for me, a relief after every season is over because I'm ready for the next one. And when I'm in a season that I'm not loving, like I'm in a season right now that I'm not loving, there's a lot of loss and grief that has just been happening to me and my family and my friends this year. And I was talking to her about that. And I was like, I'm looking forward to the relief when this season is over. So it's, you know, a way to hold on to hope I think when you're in a season that you, you love, but maybe you're ready for it to kind of pass when it's going to. And so there's a, there's a seasonality to everything that's either really great or it's also like relief, you know, like once I come on the other side of this mountain, I'm going to feel relief. And then of course I'm going to have another challenge to climb. And yeah, someone told me that whenever I was like in the infant stage too, I remember going to the studio and pumping in my car. I don't know if that's illegal, but I would like, I would hook it into the cigarette lighter, be driving, hopefully not hitting too many red lights. Cause I was like, oh, but with that, like, I remember being like, so like, oh, I can't wait to be done with this. And someone told me, you know, like, it's kind of like that weird country song. You're going to miss this. Like, did I ever think I would miss 
uh, breastfeeding or pumping. I sometimes do. I love now I'm like, I tell my son, I'm like, can you just let me hold you? Cause my daughter is very, very cuddly, but my son's a little boy and he's rough. And, and I'm like, can I just hold you? And you know, like, um, you also don't want to miss that season too. Like as hard as it is, like you're, you're being, um, pruned even in these times of, you know, I know you said you're going through a difficult season and of loss. And I feel like, you know, as a, as a unit, as a whole, this last year has been so shaky for so many of us. And, you know, it is, it's one of those seasons that I've seen a lot of loss, um, as well, just with friends and family and, you know, um, but I also am like, what am, what am I being pruned for? What am I, what am I learning in this season? Like, is it, to value the life we have, to value, you know, the good times. And, you know, and so I think if we just can, you know, even take pause in the season of, you know, what we're going through and say our gratitude in that moment and also our hardships, because like you were saying, you know, you said something very beautiful a minute ago about when you knew you had to leave a career and that's a scary part, but then you have these, you have these two dilemmas going. It's like, I know I need to leave, but yet you're given the office. Like if we look at the hope in the situation and our gratitude in it, you see like, there's always going to, the struggle is always going to be there, but how do we, how do we see the things that needed to come out of it? And like, if I think in every season, there's two parts, there's the good and the bad. And if we can see the both and what are we learning through it? That's the most amazing thing. Yeah. My um, son is learning how a good memory can be there at the same time as feeling sad. So we're learning that you can feel happy and you can feel laughter of funny memories and be sad that the memory is a memory because you know, the, the person or the, our pet is not there with us anymore. So we're really working on this, you know, duality of, I can have this and this. And when I'm talking about parenting and only just mindsets and self mantras, I always remember the word and rather than the word, but, so I'm happy and sad versus Mm -hmm. I'm happy, but I'm sad. You know, it has this sort of black and white feel to it when you use the word, but, but when you use the word and it creates this inclusion of sort of mixtures of feelings and mixtures of experiences. And I'm really trying to teach my kid that you can have both, you know, you, you can have disappointment. Um, for example, my son's very disappointed that he's not the best on the soccer field right now. And he doesn't want to go to soccer. Mine is so Very- bad. <laughs> I was chasing butterflies yesterday. I was like, yes. Well, kindergarten, you chase butterflies. First grade, all of a sudden, the skill kind of starts to kick in and okay. the comparison kicks in and people start to get better than other people. And my son is acutely aware of who's better than him. And so because he's disappointed in himself, he just doesn't want to go. He wants to quit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to him about how you can feel disappointed. That's valid because that's your experience and work hard to improve yourself so that you start to feel better about yourself. And so we're working on some negotiations and some compromises where it's like you committed to the team. You need to go and be a great cheerleader. You have to sit on the sidelines and you have to cheer, even if you don't want to go in. And we compromised on that. And I felt as if it was a good enough for him to go on the sidelines and not play. Now, my expectation was I wanted him to play because oh, yeah. that's there, you know, um, but just, he playing soccer. I mean, soccer in the city is kind of expensive. Who knew? Like, I know. I mean, every day I'm like pulling out my checkbook, like, you know, $10 mums for the school and then $5 for the Legos for fidget Tuesdays for recess time. And then, you know, all of these things that we do for our kids, but I feel like I have to step back my expectations and I have to step back what I would do and, and think about him and his child mind, because if I'm not careful when I'm wrapped up in the moment, cause I'm busy and trying to get out the door, I can sort of, you know, have this attitude of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, like let's go. But I was raised that way. And I think almost to a fault and I want to make sure that I do better than what my parents did for me. And I'm blessed that my mom has given me permission. She has literally said, your job is to do better than me. And my job is to do better than my mom. So I have her permission to acknowledge what I want to improve. Um, but if I'm not careful, just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm a therapist on Saturdays before soccer. Like if I'm not careful, my sort of attitude can shift into like, well, I would do this. So therefore I think my child should do this. And, 
Um, I think of just being real, I had to pull back myself and be like, okay, this is not about me. This is about my child who is feeling a lot of feels right now. And I need to work with him on this. Um, but it reminds me a little bit of how I grew up. And I know you've had a childhood has really influenced you as an adult. And how do you now use your childhood to inform the way that you are a businesswoman or a mother or a wife? Well, you said it really beautifully when you said, you know, my mom gave me permission to be better than she was. And I I can't say I've ever had the permission given to try to like shoot uh, beyond my benchmark, but I would say that my childhood totally morphed me into not only my career, but also how I do mother and how I do where I see lack in my own life, I realize that I can create change and fill those gaps for my kids in a different way that maybe I didn't have. And so for me, it really is one of those things of, um, I mean, and I'm doing it two at once. So that's another thing is I'm super type A and I had agreed with God that I was going to have one and then three years later have another one. I was hoping for a boy first and we started trying for kids and they told me that it takes about six months to get pregnant these days. And month one, I go in and it's, it's showing like blinking lights, pregnant. And I was like, well, that's kind of early. Little did I know I was going to be twins month one. So uh, yeah. And they said, here's baby A. And I go, oh, baby A. And they go, and here's baby B. And not that I wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world, obviously, but I was not expecting that. Like I am at, you know, with the career and everything like that, I was like, twins. Like I knew they ran in my family, but I didn't know how strong my sister also had twins less than a year later. So I was like, oh, the wow. Reynolds water is very, water. yeah. So with that and with the twins and the juggling of it, I also have to give myself some grace that maybe, um, as I'm trying to be everything I want to be and being type a does influence the you know, if I'm going to win at work, I'm going to win at motherhood. And I realized I have to offer myself grace too. like, um, you know, there are some times that it's okay to be like, I am just really frustrated, you know, and, and show the kids that like, sometimes mommy does need a break. And sometimes, and my mom never did that. My mom always tried to be on and, um, and I try to be real with the kids. Like when I had a bike wreck with them about two months ago and they said, mom, moms aren't supposed to cry. I said, actually mom, moms can cry. Mom, mom is really hurt right now. <laughs> you know, like people came out on their porch. I mean, that's how bad it was. But you know, with that, like I've tried to show them, um, kind of the authentic side of being a mom too. And they, they get to see me like literally sweat sometimes because I'm trying to run a to B I'm trying to be um, you know, the best for them. And, and so I think, you know, in a way my childhood totally shaped who I am as a mother, because I want to be off the charts, but it's also been like, I also want to be real. And I want to, I want them to know maybe not all the sacrifices I make, but know that I am doing the very best I can for them. And I will give them my all and I will give them my best, but, um, sometimes it's not, my best is not the most beautiful, even though I want to be. And I think that at the end of the day, our kids are just looking for us to be real and to stay connected with them and make sure that we have enough time and space that they feel like they're important and that we're not too busy. And, you know, they don't, they'll never come out and articulate that. And so we have to look, I think, for the smaller signs to see if we're missing something or if we need to improve. Um, Yesterday, my son said something really poignant and I thought about it and I think that he was sending me a message in his, you know, in his way as a six-year-old can. And he was looking at these succulents that we bought and we were naming all of them and there was four of them. So all of a sudden they became mom, dad, Charlie, and Juliet, the four of us. And I said, okay, well, let's pick them out. And he said, okay, this one is yours because it has a lot of arms and it's really busy all the time. And so that succulent is yours. And I just remember him saying that and, and, you know, his impression of me is busy. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm really trying to be careful just even today and this morning to make sure that I look, I mean, I, I know I look busy, but I don't want to look so busy that it negates him being important or him being like the priority. So I'm not perfect at all. And I do worry that he sees me as quote too busy. 
at times, you know, when he's trying to get my attention and things like that. So I'm really just, even this morning thinking about, okay, how do I manage my busyness that I love and also make sure that I'm paying attention to him. And those are just like little whispers in life. You know, I don't think a kid's ever going to come to you and say, I think you're really busy. And sometimes I think you ignore me and you're on your phone too much. And I don't feel important. They aren't saying that they're not saying that to you. So I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm trying to just be mindful of how they're experiencing me and trying to just continue to repair it as much as I can see it. Um, but also give them permission to do better than I'm going to do for them because that's, that's what my mom told me. Like that's our family's lineage's job is to, to improve and, um, knowing where she came from and knowing where my grandma came from, um, we're doing it. Like we really are improving because it's been a tough generations of, of my family on my mom's side. I mean, it's, it's rough. Um, but I'm really proud of her and I'm trying to make her proud too. You know, (laughs) I know you are, I know you are, especially if she's able to say something like be better than I am. I mean, that just shows you, you have a pretty sound mom and that is rooting for you and know and believes in you that you can. Yeah. And it came after, I mean, she said that to me in a moment where I basically had like kind of criticized her for, um, saying something and sharing something with me that I didn't want to hear. And I don't think I really had business knowing, I thought she shared too much and I just kind of snapped, you know, and said something about like, you know, that's not really something I want to hear, or you, you should even say to me, like, that's not a part of my life or a part of your life that I needed to know. Like, I felt pretty upset by what she shared and she just came back at me and she was just like, well, I'm doing the best I can. And you know, you're, you might be right. And you can, you, you can do better than me then, you know? And so it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was definitely like an authentic mother daughter sort of like back and forth a little bit, but it really struck me as like, Oh, she's human. And yeah, she is right. Like I have to really see both sides of her, you know, the things that she could have done better, but then the things that she did amazing. And gives me permission to not be perfect. And I, I really, I mean, the podcast is rebranded. Yeah. Well, perfect because that is my motto. I should have just realized that years ago that I'm constantly doing things imperfect and messy and um, I've embraced it. I'm really okay with it, including parenting. Mm-hmm. Right on girl. Hi everyone, Audrey here with a quick little offer for you. I know that most of you will agree with me when I say Mondays can be tough, tiring, unmotivating, you get the gist. What if I told you you could start your week off feeling motivated and inspired instead? I created a membership program called Mondays with Audrey to do just that. Every Monday, you'll see me in your inbox with inspiration on a topic of the month, anything from sticking to your goals to setting healthy boundaries to mastering your morning routine. Each new month kicks off with a new topic and a new video followed by weekly emails to keep you motivated and accountable. This program is the place where I can stretch my wings, be myself, and give candid advice from the heart. Sound up your alley? Learn more at www.simplybecounseling.net slash Mondays with Audrey and get access to a free month using the code WELLNOTPERFECT. Join me on Mondays and make it the best day of the week. So I want to go more into your, I mean, everything that you do, obviously you're a businesswoman, you're a mother, you're a wife. Um, are you currently like your season of life right now is primary businesswoman, mother, like, are you juggling other things on top of that? How, like, how do you identify yourself right now? I would say entrepreneur and mom. It was funny. I just met David's new team. I was running in and out and I didn't realize he was on video chat already and he wasn't in there. He was getting coffee, but apparently he leaves his computer on. So I was like, oh, hi. And so they identified me as um, TV host, like extraordinaire. That's how they identified me as. But it's funny because I see myself as an entrepreneur that has, has stepped into knowing life's work. And, um, and an entrepreneur could even be like, I was you know, explaining this to someone, you know, we go to a church where our pastors started the church. So I don't know, do they consider themselves pastors? I'm probably sure they consider themselves pastors or do they consider themselves entrepreneurs? Because it's a weird role when you're owning, I have a lot of friends in TV and it is very different to own the show 
and host it. And so when I'm hosting it, I remind myself you're a host today with, you know, you don't, that's on Fridays when I go in to record, I'm, I'm a host. Um, but today I am an entrepreneur. So as I have a sales call after this, or, you know, we meet with my graphics team because they're relaunching something, you know, like that's what, I mean, most, most of my friends get to step in with their hair and makeup done and get a paycheck for us. And we, but it also lets, it allows us to be like, sky's the limit. I wouldn't trade it, but I, I say I identify more as probably an entrepreneur and a mom and then really taking off my hat at night um, and being just a mom. And, um, yeah. and, and it's really cool because I married someone who knows, uh, I mean, like I said, I met him at, right as I had connected the dots that I was called for more. And so he's known this about me forever. So I, as much as I can be off, I'm still on. So like, if you follow me on Instagram, like I'm always kind of having fun now, granted, sometimes it's being a mom being fun, but some people could say like, oh, that's her showcasing this but that's just kind of in my DNA too. So, I mean, it depends. And he's really cool to let me be me and realize that like, yes, we take more pictures than probably the most families, but, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to have a family's support, but also get to hustle during the day and then hopefully take off that cap at night and be just mom. Yeah. hundred percent. I can relate to all of that. I mean, when you're talking about being an entrepreneur and the other role that you play, balancing that out is a mindset, I believe, because you have to put on a hat and then know what that role is and then switch the hat so that you honor it. And then you honor the audience or the people around you so that you are all in. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're talking business, you're talking graphics, you're talking strategy, but then when you're your other person, so for you, a TV host, for me, a therapist, because I have a caseload, I also have 19 employees. So when you're balancing those different things, you have to be all in. And so when I walk into a room, I consciously remind myself that this is the role I'm playing. I'm not playing, but I'm embracing, I'm leaning into and really getting mindful of it. Because if I mix the two, I don't feel my best and I don't give them my best. And so the mindfulness piece is something that I try to do over and over again. Um, you've mentioned church, you've mentioned God. So you use some spiritual or religious discipline to kind of keep yourself mindful and keep yourself in line with yourself when you're switching so many different roles. Yeah. So I am not a Christian show. I've had people that have said, you need to be on the Christian network. And I love, 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 love God. Right. Okay. I love Jesus. Um, I know that I have identified who I'm called to be on this earth because of my spirituality. However, in order to reach my true potential with the show and what I know I've been called to do, it's not me preaching the good word, even though I know it's there on Sunday, that's me, you know, hands are raised in church, right? But on my show, I'm very true to letting the story unfold. And sometimes it is, you know, faith-based because that's what the person comes on for. But I'm never pushing my agenda. And I remember seeing a talk show host that was truly amazing. And she was getting ready to end her career. And she came out and said basically everything she needed to say. She left everything on the stage, right? And I remember thinking, I wasn't, I, I was slightly, I don't want to say disappointed, but a little disappointed because as journalists, we have to be pretty even balanced. And I consider the field of people trusting us with our platforms like that. And I remember being like, Ooh, you know, like when people come on my show, it's not about me. Like, I'm not like, welcome. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. It is about that story changing lives through what they've been through. So I'm, I really, really stay anchored to that on the show. I'm very passionate about being a journalist, being a good journalist, showing every side and not pushing my agenda. However, if you meet me on social media, if you meet me in person, if you meet me at church, if you meet me on the street, I believe God is love. I want to be his hands and feet. I want to, um, I want people to say when they meet me um, in person, there is something different about that girl. And, and if they want to know more, it is definitely what I'm anchored in. However, on the show, you know, we stay, we stick to, you know, it's, it's a show that's inspired to change the world through real life, delicate stories, but Personally, yes. Like I, 
it's so funny. I'm known as the lady on my block that does her Bible study in her robe in the morning. Cause yeah. my husband goes, all the dads know you as, and I was like, okay, fine. I won't wear the robe anymore, but I'm still going to be out there with my copy and my Bible. Cause I mean, that, that is what I'm anchored in. And I truly believe has, um, helped me become not, you know, we see a lot of celebrities have breakdowns. We see a lot of people have the burnout effect. And I believe that is why I'm able to start new, um, starting lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the spirituality question is important because if we're made up of multiple things, you know, head, heart, um, body, soul, emotions, everything, if we leave that piece out of our personal lives, I think there is more likely for a burnout because you don't have a connection to a higher being. And that being said, you can maintain a professional standard, whatever that may be for your profession, like for you on your platform, on your show, you need to hold that neutrality so that your guest story can come to surface. And from in my therapy practice, I need my client's story to surface and not to inject my belief system. And it's okay if they choose to search me on social and they choose to see the life that I live, they've taken that extra step and it's their, it's their decision to see a different side and be influenced by that. And that just means that they need to hold multiple dimensions of us, that we're not just one dimension. You're not one dimension as a host and social media has broken that because we have seen TV hosts as a certain projected image for decades until recently. And now people are seeing a whole different side. And I really love that you can be all of those things and trust that your audience is going to be okay with that. Um, because it's scary. It was scary for me to really show a different side of myself after being trained so strictly in my mm -hmm. profession to only be a blank slate and really did away with that a couple of years ago. And the podcast actually is one of the biggest things that helped me take off my cloak was to originally call it Audrey off the cuff. I needed a place where I could just be myself and have my name on it so that people knew what they're getting themselves into. It wasn't my business to simply be, it was me. And then once I realized that I could do that without my name on it and call it well, not perfect, um, I've just sort of evolved, but my journey has been really trying to remove this identity of being one way for everybody. And that pressure, I felt kind of like I was crumbling under it. So I just well, really admire what you're doing. I got a lot of advice about how I was doing it all wrong um, years ago about your TV show needs its own Instagram. You're the, and I was like, no, um, no, I'm Whitney. I am the Whitney show. I am Whitney. If people want to know who I am 24 hours, they will get Whitney, but it also sprinkles in the show whenever they're following on social. And they choose to do that because the show does not define me. I have a show, but the show is a part of me and that's what you get on social. And I, you're exactly right. It broke down and people said, and, and it's so funny because I noticed on Facebook, I have the Whitney Reynolds show and then I have Whitney Reynolds and Facebook, you know, blue checked mark my personal, which is so funny because it's just my personal and I, it, but now I've realized my personal does way more better than the show, but it's highlighting the show on there because people want to see the person that is um, what else do you do? And I realized that me off the show is still a part of the show. Does that make sense? Like I, yeah, totally. Show, but people are wanting to know more and therefore it benefits the show. So it's like, it's an interesting thing on social media and truth be told, I did not have the bandwidth to keep up trying to just like the show is just going to be there. So on the show, whenever people watch it on TV, they know they're getting the Whitney Reynolds show. It is going to be you know, not faith-based, not kid-centric, not me singing. Cause on my Instagram, I get the, the time I get the most hate mail is whenever I sing something and I'm like, sing like, hello, good morning. But, um, but yeah, so that's, what's so interesting. And then it makes you more of a real person. So people say, oh, this host is actually, you know, a mom or she is running around or she's getting ready to promote her new season. And so it kind of all folds into one on social, but the show is still just that dedicated space for the topics. But mm -hmm. me personally, when people follow me as a unit, then that's what they get. Yeah. I mean, there's dimensions. I keep hearing that when you're talking that there's multiple dimensions to you and your show has one dimension with one goal and mission. And then you have a different dimension as a mom, as a wife, as a person of faith, like there's so many different dimensions that 
I'm feeling inspired to also embrace that and to not let the fear of disappointment or the fear of not being good enough for every audience viewer. Um, so I just really find it inspiring. I hope you continue to really preach that message because I know when I'm talking to my friends, you know, there's this fear of changing and getting more diverse or getting more dimensional. And I really want to embrace that more as a woman in your thirties, because as you get older, you should be adding dimensions, not taking away, you know, and growing. So I'm just so energized talking to you. This feels so good. It's been, um, you know, like it's always a learning curve. That's what I would say is like, it, it is one of those things. And if anybody takes anything away from today's chat, I would hope they take away, like to give yourself grace, to realize that like, if you're looking and any of this made you feel guilty, don't, because I'm like half of the stuff that I'm able to talk about now was a learning curve. And I failed miserably a little bit, you know? So that's like, I think being, um, just truly learning in the different times and like the different things, like, you know, none of this, even social media thing. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in your, we're the same age, that was all, I mean, Facebook launched when I was in college. So like in a way trying to say like, this is how you do TV on is I mean, I had no idea. I just had to stick to who I am and what I know works for me. And then what I have found is when people truly know me, then they like my show more than it's, but I stay to my, I stick to um, the format on the show for sure, because I do want to be a voice um, that is not just like saying siloing off people saying, if you believe that you can't watch my show. No, I want everybody to come to the table. Absolutely. And so as our listeners are here and hopefully going on Instagram and finding Whitney Reynolds and also finding you on PBS, when this airs late fall of 2021, where can people find you and tune in? Yeah. So based on wherever you are in the nation, this is the coolest thing is you can find me um, just search PBS and you can search the Whitney Reynolds show. Like it's really cool. If you have one of those talking remotes, you can literally just say my name and um, we have made it super easy that if you don't have traditional television, like you don't have cable, you can still watch me on any type of digital TV. If you have a phone, you can watch us there as well. If you do follow us on social, we've made it where it's easier to digest our clips. So it's more like some really great punches of what you see on the show. And then if you want to link up and watch the full interview, you can do that as well, just by swiping up. So we've created a team to make sure that we're facilitating all different ways that people can watch us and making sure that no viewer is left behind because we believe that our show does change lives and we want to make sure that everyone can be a part of that. So WhitneyReynolds.com is your go-to for knowing how to source out everything, but you can literally just say my name in your phone or on your remote and you'll find us. Easy, easy. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And this is another episode of, well, not perfect. Thank you for listening to season two. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button and consider leaving me a review. And for more information on all things podcast, check us out at Instagram, well, not perfect and DM us any questions you have and content that you'd love to see this season. See you next week.